Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, yesterday the education minister allowed school boards to dip into their reserve funds. However, it appears some boards do not want to dip into that fund. It's for an emergency. If a pandemic is an emergency, what is? Are you wearing the right mask? Those with an exhalation valve may not be helping much. And movie production is returning to Hamilton. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Everyone is saying how school will be different this year. Not really. The teachers and the government of the day are still fighting. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Home Show. Here's Scott Thompson! All right, uh, Education Minister Stephen Lecce yesterday said school boards will be allowed to access a $500 million uh, reserve uh, of funds, of taxpayers' funds, to achieve physical distancing in the classrooms. The government also plans to spend $50 million on updating ventilation systems, $18 million to hire principals and support staff to administer and return to the classroom. To talk more about all of this, and a little later on, we're going to be having the uh, chair of the Hamilton-Wentworth District, uh, sorry, Hamilton-Wentworth Catholic District School Board on, uh, following Sam. Sam Oosteroff, Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Education, MPP for Niagara West, is with us now. Sam, thank you for the time. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much, Scott. Uh, obviously, yesterday, uh, Minister Lecce made his comments. Uh, this doesn't seem to be appeasing the teachers' unions. Uh, Harvey Bischoff said that there's still not enough money here to do what they need to do. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, response from the teachers' unions, and, and is it possible to go to 15 kids to a class, which is where they seem to be heading? Well, I think it's important to note that Ontario's plan, which has been widely recognized as the strongest and most stringent in Canada, was developed in consultation with uh, Ontario's top doctor, the Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. David Williams, uh, the COVID-19 command table, and pediatric experts. So uh, our plan is a living document. It's meant to be augmented and adapted to apply the best advice as it emerges. And so that's why yesterday we announced important updates to our plan to ensure that school boards have all the resources they need to ensure the health and safety of students and staff. And so I think it's important when looking at this one-time investment um, and enabling school boards to use their contingency funds to recognize that this is not a normal situation, uh, but this is a good plan that has been signed off by the top medical experts in Ontario. Uh, it's been informed by some of the best institutions in the world, the research done at CHEO, the research done at SickKids. And so we're very confident looking at other jurisdictions that we have a very, very a tight plan and one that will ensure kids are kept safe and staff as well. Uh, you talked about opening up the surplus. Uh, do all boards have a large surplus? Is this money not intended for other uses? No. So the best way to think about this is, you know, it's a, it's a rainy day fund uh, that is expected by uh, the government to ensure that school boards are maintaining a certain percentage of their operating budgets in reserve in case of emergencies. Uh, the reality is this is an emergency. If, if you can, uh, you know, if you imagine uh, a rainy day fund, this is about a storm. So we need hmm. to ensure that school boards are able to access those funds. Uh, there were four boards, I believe, that did not have a reserve of 2% of their operating revenue. And so we have topped that up. I believe about $18 million to ensure that those boards were able to uh, provide up to 2%. But again, this is taxpayer dollars that is at uh, the board level that we believe 
they, they being able to access these funds will enable more flexibility and ability to also uh, ensure an even more safe environment. Uh, the head of the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board said that uh, this money is allocated for other projects, uh, things like, uh, you know, boilers breaking down and such. But as you mentioned, I, I can't think of a, you know, something bigger than a worldwide pandemic to dump into, to jump into a, an emergency fund. That being said, is this mother, is this money designated for other things? No, this is funds that is reserved uh, in order to ensure that boards are able to respond to emergency situations that, that come up. And it's a, I guess you could think of it as a buffer, uh, but it's important that we recognize these are taxpayer dollars that boards have in reserve uh, to deal with unexpected, unexpected contingencies. There are some restrictions on what they can use it for, and so we're uh, changing some of those restrictions to ensure that they're able to use it uh, to deal with this situation, which I think it's fair to say from anyone's consideration, uh, definitely uh, a contingency and a, and, and a situation that uh, could qualify as an emergency. Is a class of 15 across the board in every classroom, is it feasible? How much does that cost? Well, again, it's, it depends on the individual school and also it depends on the board. Uh, there are uh, boards that are considered designated boards that have different public health measurements than than others. Uh, you know, looking at a board in Kenora, it's different than a board in Hamilton or a board in, you know, Lanark and Eastern Ontario. So we have to take those things into consideration as well uh, and recognize that over the last couple of weeks, we have seen extremely low transmission rates in Ontario. We have the best numbers of any comparable jurisdiction in, in North America uh, when it comes to our ability to, to see a low community transmission. And so that's kind of the framework that we have to look at going back to school. The reality is, is we have had extremely good fortune uh, because of the hard work of the people of Ontario and, and people who have taken this seriously. And this doesn't mean that we're relaxing. We understand the importance of cohorting. We have very strict masking requirements. Uh, we have strict uh, sanitation um, requirements. We provided funding two weeks ago for uh, an additional 1,200 custodial staff, 500 nurses. And so these are the types of things that we need to make sure uh, we're providing to boards to deal with issues. But again, recognizing that some boards are, are different than other boards. I know you got to run here, Sam, for another call, but one last question. Still many out there that saying that uh, there is no plan and that, that they still don't know what to do on the first day of school and there's lots of anxiety and such. What do you say to those? You know, if those individuals do have questions, there's a very clear document, an extensive document uh, with a whole lot of different situations that are that are uh, written about and, and given consideration from the Ministry of Health that, again, was designed in consultation with Ontario's top doctors, the Chief Medical Officer of Health and the COVID-19 command table, as well as pediatric experts. So if they want to reach out, uh, we, I'd be more than happy to connect them with that information to assist them. All right, Sam Oosteroff has been with us, Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce, MPP for Niagara West. Sam, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. Thank you so much, Scott. Talk to you later. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Just got off the phone with Sam Oosteroff, uh, Oosteroff Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Education, uh, in regard to the plan that uh, Education Minister Lecce unveiled yesterday. I shouldn't say unveiled. It just keeps getting added to as time goes by. The chair of the Hamilton-Wentworth Catholic District School Board is deeply concerned that the province is allowing boards to dip into their reserve funds to achieve safe physical distancing in the classroom this fall. Uh, Patrick Daly, chair of the board, joins us now to explain why he doesn't think this is a great idea. Chairperson of the board for the Hamilton Wentworth District, or sorry, Hamilton Wentworth Catholic District School Board, uh, Patrick Daly is with us now. Patrick, thank you for the time. Hope you're doing well. 
Yes, I am. Thank you, Scott. So, Patrick, your major concerns about what was mentioned yesterday by the education minister. Yeah, and I just want to clarify, I like for sure we're not concerned, I'm not concerned with additional funding, you know, being provided at this time. We think that's essential. Uh, however, the concern is that uh, that is being downloaded to the local school boards to use, you know, reserves that have been built up over many years and uh, in many cases for different purposes. So that's that's the concern, not with regard to the government's commitment uh, in terms of reopening, but rather just the manner in which uh, it was announced yesterday. So what are the reserves intended for then? Yeah, well, we reserves are intended for a number of purposes. It could be particular, uh, you know, initiatives, priorities that boards have established with their, you know, their uh, staff and uh, and parents. So in our case, like I can just give you a couple of examples. Uh, we have Equal Opportunities Initiative, which, you know, funds go to support our socioeconomic disadvantaged schools. So <clears throat> we have put reserves for that uh, as well. This year, school boards, it's necessary to put in, and it's very, very costly, new student information system. So uh, we had over a million dollars coming out of reserves for that this year. But the other side, it could be just uh, emergencies, you know, and some years, uh, snow removal, uh, you know, my own experience has been double, uh, you know, what we have budgeted, and those funds have to come from somewhere. So they're there for a variety of purposes, and, you know, our concern is that this just, you know, puts uh, school boards at risk uh, in future years. Uh, that being said, Patrick, uh, Patrick, respectfully, everyone has had to dip into their reserves. We've certainly seen the, the massive debt that the, both the federal and the provincial governments have had to endure just getting us all through this. Uh, is, 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 is responding to a COVID-19 pandemic not more important than a project down the road or something that's hypothetically off in the future or even a program that is running now? I mean, if you don't use a reserve fund for a global pandemic, what would you use it for? Yeah, first of all, Scott, I'm not suggesting for a moment that we don't understand and appreciate uh, the severity of the pandemic, what that has uh, done to individual people, to families, uh, companies. So we clearly understand that and uh, i can tell you our staff and school boards are working tirelessly to do what they can for school reopening and uh, you know we understand that we all have to do our part it's just the, the manner in which it was announced saying that clearly uh, you know we're we'll have conversations with government we're going to need you know to get uh, beyond it so that we continue with the work of re, re, reopening so that's our priority now is opening our schools as safe and uh, to ensure the well-being of our staff and students. That's our complete focus. I'm having a hard time understanding, though, Patrick, what the issue is here, because you just said that you're happy with the money. You're just not happy that it's coming from the reserve. That's debatable. Um, and, and then you said the manner in which it was announced. So what's the what's the issue issue here? Yeah. First, I didn't say it was happy with anything, but what I said was, that uh, the the way in which it was done without any consultation and any conversations with trustee associations or school boards, that doesn't any way 
uh, take away from the need for us to all work together. Uh, and that, like I say, is our complete focus. Is, uh, this is that not what, you know, it, 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 here's what I'm seeing, Patrick, and, and I'm not trying to pick a fight here by any means, respectfully, but what I'm seeing is everybody trying to come together and make this happen. Obviously, there's different political obstacles that were there before all of this, um, and, and it, it doesn't, like, nobody knows what the solution is, is uh, what the solution really is moving forward here, because it's, it's, it's an evolving scenario. We have Ontario with one of the best plans so far. Uh, is there anybody in the province that is doing this, or in the country, rather, that's doing this better? Um, I'm hearing a lot of complaining, but I'm not hearing a lot of suggestions other than we need more money, and we don't want to tap into our reserve fund. Yeah, first of all, you're not hearing a lot of complaining from me or from my board or Catholic trustees across the province. You're so you're so you're happy with what the you're happy with what the education minister unveiled yesterday? No, I did not say that. I would not. I'm not pleased with the manner in which it was done or the precedent with regard to reserves. We understand the circumstances we're in, and again, we're all trying to do our part. I was. My comments yesterday and today in other media focus solely on the way in which this was done and the precedent. Uh, and uh, that's what uh, not in any way diminishing the challenges that uh, face all of us. Uh, the way it was done, the precedence that was set by dipping into the reserve fund, again, is this, what's the alternative? Is that any reason not to move forward with this? The the alternative would have been to have dialogue and, uh, you know, discussion with regard to the approach and whether the money comes from the provincial government or funds that school boards have put aside for other purposes. So that was the, the concern, not in any way the need, uh, you know, for, for additional resources for all of us to work together. So, again, Scott, that is our focus. We have uh, very good relationships with the provincial government, with the you know, all of our employee group partners, and uh, I know we'll all work together to do the best we can. Uh, is this reserve, Patrick, not initially taxpayers' money? Well, no doubt it is. In our case, Catholic ratepayers' money, 100% of this. And, and again, I come back to this is a reserve fund. Uh, many have questioned that this is not the way to go. Uh, yet again, I, I can't think of a better use for a rainy day fund than something like this. No? Well, again, part of, again, what I'm trying to express in terms of consultation and conversation, if this was the approach that the government was going to take, which for sure is the right, I'm not, not questioning that at all. But then what I would have argued is that this kind of decision announcement should have made, been made six weeks ago when school boards, you know, could properly plan uh, because clearly there'll be, you know, depending on what boards decide, you know, a fair bit of hiring, looking for additional accommodation. Again, what the, you know, the, the whole concern is in terms of process, not the fact that additional resources are needed and that we all need to do our part. How could we have done this six weeks ago, uh, Patrick? We're in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, this is no, no, a no, very no, fluid no, no, situation. No, no. The, again, I, I don't want to get, you know, down in terms of, uh, you know, the ability to move forward. However, clearly a decision with regard to the use of 
reserves uh, could have been made easily six weeks ago. I'm not suggesting it should have been. And then boards would have had six more weeks to plan for, you know, a very, very challenging reopening. Do you think parents have the patience for all of this uh, post-COVID-19, especially considering the rotating strikes that happened prior to all of this? Do you not think that, that some of the unions, and I'm not saying this about yours, but some of them are overplaying the hand here? Uh, you know, there's so many people that have had to sacrifice. There's so many people. Uh, everybody ha- has had to make adjustments. And again, you know, considering what our kids went through and and how private in the in, in the private industry we all had to adapt very quickly, and the product we got coming out of the schools uh, in the latter part of the year was was very disappointing to say the least. Do you think the unions, are, some of the unions, are overplaying their hand here? Yeah, I will allow, you know, I think it would be appropriate that uh, those representing unions uh, answer that question. What I would say, Scott, is that we appreciate completely that many, many people have suffered and been Im- impacted uh, in ways which some of us may never you know for years to come. So there's no question about that. But that includes our staff, you know, their own families have been impacted. And the only thing I can say is that uh, we have outstanding relationships with uh, our employee group representatives in Hamilton. They have been nothing but cooperative throughout all of this. And, uh, you know, we just absolutely commit to working with them, to making our schools as safe as possible for them and for our students. Patrick Daly has been with us, chairperson of the board, Hamilton Wentworth Catholic District School Board. Patrick, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, You know, when you listen to Patrick, you wonder, then, what's all the commotion about? Why is everybody's hair on fire? Everybody's doing their best here. How long can you keep kicking the same can down the road? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think, and I'm not saying this about Patrick's union, but some of them certainly need to pull back a little bit and try to help the kids as opposed to the agenda of the teachers union you're listening to the scott thompson show podcast on 900 chml all right uh lots of discussion about masks uh for the last 22 weeks since this whole thing started and obviously as we learn more about this coronavirus uh we have been encouraged to wear masks and when you can't keep a two meter distance and in many stores and places it's just simply the way it is it's the rule uh, and as a result of that, we have seen lots of different manufacturers of masks. There's different types of masks, different layers of protection. Again, uh, just going out and about, you don't need the medical masks that are reserved for uh, healthcare workers. But again, some sort of mask over your uh, nose and mouth uh, is highly recommended. Uh, and again, lots of different styles, including you may have seen some with valves on them. Uh, we are now hearing information that uh, anything that kind of lets you exhale like that really isn't doing the job. Is it or isn't it? Let's bring in Dr. Nin Tran, Associate Medical Officer of Health for the City of Hamilton, and with us now. Doctor, thank you for the time. Hope you're doing well. Yes, I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me. So your thoughts on masks with these valves on the front. For those that don't know what we mean, it's a basic mask, but then you see this plastic thing on it, which basically allows you to exhale. If you can exhale, is that sort of not defeating the purpose of the mask? You'd be correct. Um, I think it's it's a useful piece of information you just raised that recently, is that um, you know with the interest in use of masks, uh, there's been lots of different products uh, out there, some that we've sort of been aware of, some that we we haven't. Um, and I think it's 
it's important to be clear from a public health perspective that we want to be we want people to wear the masks or face coverings uh, that are actually effective. So the ones uh, with valves uh, would uh, not be effective from what we're trying to to do here. We're 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 having uh, the bylaw in place uh, as well as our recommendations to really prevent the spread and it's it's meant for a source control so my mask protects you your mask protects me um, but having those valves in place uh, doesn't really allow uh, for source control to happen so they're generally built uh, to filter things like dust particles uh, that type of thing and not necessarily droplets which is how um, uh, co- uh, you know covid is, is spread Um and therefore, we would not uh, recommend using that uh, uh, for a source control uh, purpose. Uh, obviously, this is relatively new information. Do you think this information is getting out there, that if people are looking to purchase some sort of mask or use some sort of mask, these masks with a valve on them are not necessarily the right option? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping so, and I'm hoping through you know, some of the media reports and through uh, your coverage here um, that that that. Uh, keeps that message going. We'll look in terms of how we uh, further communicate to members of the public uh, about you know what type type of masks or face coverings are uh, are, are effective. And, and certainly, I would ask people uh, not to use this uh, for the purposes of uh, uh, source for source control. If you're walking about in public, um, it, uh, it defeats the, the the spirit of what we're trying to do. So that being said, if somebody is going out, and you know we've seen the blue ones that are disposable and such, but if someone is looking to 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 get something that's more customized or more permanent, what should they be looking for? Well, I, I think um, in terms of if you're using, so for masks and face coverings, I mean, I guess there's there's two parts. One is that uh, it should fit well and it should make sure it covers the nose, the mouth, uh, and then the chin. And then the second thing is, uh, and then you you know you should be handling while uh, using the loops um, and and you know cleaning your hands uh, before you use them to, to avoid any sort of contamination. But uh, what we want to, in terms of better effectiveness, more layers, uh, it is better. So we're, we're talking about things that are multiple layers, um, you know, at least two two layers, ideally. A good cloth mask or face covering has at least two layers of tightly woven uh, cotton or linen. Make sure they cover the nose, mouth, and chin. Uh, fit, fit securely um, and uh, maintain their shape after uh, washing or, or drying. And not containing things like uh, breathable materials uh, such as plastic. Uh, disposable versions better than the cloth ones that you can buy. I mean, obviously, if you're buying the cloth ones, they're more permanent. They have to be cleaned more. What about that protocol and the choice between the two? I think it, it does depend on um, uh, the, the the individual. I mean, it it. Uh, I mean, they both have pros and cons. I mean, the disposable ones, it, it's. It, it's nice um, and, and convenient, but then you have to just continue to, to replace it. Uh, for the, the, the cloth one, um, it's, it's useful, um, but you have to also remember to, um, to wash it. Because if you just wear the same one, you know, for days and weeks on end, it, it, 
it can get how often should you be watching these uh watching these dr tran would you have that you would should be doing this daily should you not yes yeah you should be using it uh i mean you should be considering it essentially like a disposable so once you know when you would normally be disposing something uh you should be uh uh, washing it, but uh, even as a compromise uh, on a daily basis would be good. So uh, that being said, uh, do you think this is going to deter the development of these? I mean, is there, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly trying to, to improve on things. Is there a way to improve on this? And it, Or is at the end of the day, you know what, you just kind of wear a plain kind of mask and we got to leave it at that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, it's I think it's a useful thing. Uh, we want to, you know, people have to find ways and manufacturers sort of find ways to have something that, you know, is comfortable enough for people that's convenient enough. Um, so I think it, uh, and as use continues to be high, then you know, there may be uh, more products and, and certainly we want to make sure we point people towards uh, appropriate products. All right, before I let you go, Dr. Tran, just a quick comment. Um, your thoughts on the reopening of schools in September? Are you comfortable with the plans that we have, although they're, they're always uh, evolving, and I'm sure they will again before September? How do you feel about the kids going back? So uh, I think we've, I mean, our general position is that we support the, the reopening of schools. I mean, it's, it's, it's crucial from a health, physical, learning, and, and social development to do so, I think we just want to, you know, continue to work to do it as, as safely uh, as possible. Because uh, I mean, we don't know. There's, it's not zero risk, but we, we, we want to balance, you know, the significant benefits going back to school with any uh, risk of COVID. I think what, what I want to reassure to some extent, and um, is that we work very closely with our school board partners um, to, you know, f- uh, to work together to find ways to make it, uh, you know, as, as safe as possible. So they've been very uh, engaged uh, with us for, for several months now um, and and in terms of, uh, you know, understanding uh, this virus and infection prevention control practices, uh, some of the key principles of the hierarchy uh, of, of controls uh, and building it to the best way they can uh, into their, their plan. So I, it's not a definitive answer. It's you go in and it's not, you know, you can't have zero risk, but uh, yeah. you know, we work uh, as close as we can. And then the school boards work really uh, hard to find a way to minimize that risk as best as they can. Uh, so to ensure that, uh, that the kids, um, you know, get all that great benefit that they do get uh, going back to school, but it will be a, you know, an individual um, parent uh, decision in terms of uh, uh, in, of um, their own situation. Dr. Nintran has been with us, Associate Medical Officer of Health for the City of Hamilton, talking about masks, specifically those with the valves on them that you see, uh, plastic little uh, round valves about the size of a loony or toony or such, uh, that allow you to exhale. But if you're exhaling, it sort of defeats the purpose of the mask. Dr. Tran, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Film and television production 
Returning to Hamilton, of course, uh, Hollywood North here in the Hammer. Let's bring in Kimberly Adrovez, Senior Project Manager, Hamilton Film Office, and with us now. Kimberly, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. You as well. So how did the whole COVID-19 thing affect your business? How, how did you see it all come to a stop or did it way back in February, March? Yeah, right back in March. We had, uh, thankfully, a lot of productions in town, and we're off to another great start to 2020. And then, unfortunately, you know, they did have to stop working and go on hiatus. Um, the really fantastic news is that every single one of the productions that was filming has committed to coming back. So it's just a break, not a full-on cancellation. But, yeah, it's definitely been a difficult couple of months for the people in the industry not being able to work. So we're really grateful to see them being able to start returning now. So have they actually, they are actually starting production again in Hamilton. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. We resumed film operations at the beginning of July, and we've had a number of projects filming since then and many more scouting and looking to come back in the fall. So how has this changed things? Is the protocol different? A little bit. So we're really lucky in Ontario. The industry is very well organized, and they were very proactive during the hiatus to bring everyone to the table, work with government, industry stakeholders, labor. And they do have a subcommittee for health and safety appointed through the Ministry of Labor, Training, and Skills Development. And we're able, through that subcommittee, to come up with specific industry guidelines for how to move forward safely with COVID-19. So in terms of how we see that impacted at the film office, we're requiring productions to acknowledge those guidelines that they're going to be following them that they have a specific health and safety plan in place for each location. And most productions are carrying that out by hiring a COVID health and safety specialist who kind of monitors the site and makes sure everyone's doing what they need to do. So obviously what we've heard of is how this has affected employment and such. Uh, the people who work in this industry in Hamilton, are they slowly getting called back to work? Yeah, it's, I mean, what's really heartwarming is we have a lot of people who work in the industry in Hamilton. I don't know if everyone would be aware that even when there's a, a big American production, the vast majority of the crew is from the GTHA and hired locally. So a lot of the location managers do live and work in the city. And so it's been great to hear those calls starting to come in from them. They're, they're either on a project again or they're preparing to go back to camera and they're back to work scouting. I guess at the end of the day, uh, when you have a stop in the supply chain, just like in the entertainment industry, there's a need for content that has not been produced in the last little while. So they must be busy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One thing that's been very encouraging through the whole pandemic is that there was never really a slowdown in terms of deals getting signed to produce more content. So even when things were on hiatus, uh, networks were still thinking ahead and, and putting new projects into development. So what, what we're hoping is that it'll actually be a little bit of a rush to get caught up as opposed to a break in production. So what is in production or going to be in production in Hamilton in the next little while? The next little while? You know, it's tough. With the uh, film industry, they, there's sometimes popular actors. They're, they're trying to get a lot done in a short day. So we try not to let the cat too much out of the bag. But uh. I know uh, Murdoch Mysteries had some great pictures in the spec the other day, so... I don't think that's too much of a secret. That's a great, well-loved Canadian show. Um, as well, there's a global show called Nurses that's filmed. They're on their second season now in Hamilton that's back in town. And many, many sort of smaller independent productions, Hallmark movies, uh, docudramas, that type of thing. So keep your eyes peeled for stars. They're coming back. 
Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Kimberly Adrovas has been with us, Senior Project Manager in the Hamilton Film Office. And uh, projects are getting back on track, which is great to see, not only for the city and its coffers, but the people that are employed in the industry. Kimberly, thanks for the time. Good luck. Thank you, Scott. Take care. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcasts or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.